Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening to episode 232 of the Tree Talk podcast. Myself, Jack Neville, and Matt Callan of the Weekly Observer and Vale Star. We have a special guest to start off today. We have Declan Bruder joining us after the introduction. We're going to be looking at all things football for the first half hour or so with the Tension Cup starting this weekend. We obviously have the Munster Phase 1 final as well for John Ryan and his side. We've come over to look back on and, as always, a little bit of talk about Harland. So stay tuned for all that and more. Impression the game, we get old with what you put into. It's like a walk of life. If you're good enough, go and get it, no more about it. Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pounds worth of goods, can you? Just about kept in. Oh, well, Charlie Buckley. To do that to Tomas O'Shea, he deserves to score from here. One of the highlights of the second game. Let me find out there from the war court today. No more about him. He made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the barrel, the fact of it, and that's it. No ifs, no buts. As I said in the introduction, Matt, we're delighted to be joined by Declan Bruder, UL Sigerson manager, former Limerick selector, former Limerick 21's manager. Declan, how are you keeping? Very good, Jack. And yourself? Good, good, good. Good morning, Declan. Thanks a million for for joining us this morning, I suppose. at the weekend, we had the, the, the Munster final, Kerry versus Clare, a comprehensive win for Kerry. And I suppose you've dealt with an awful lot of those lads um, in with UL. First and foremost, how do you find the product at the moment, um, football, in, in terms of excitement, I suppose? Um, yeah, it's a very good question, Jack. I think at the minute, we have a mix of some brilliant games when teams are you know, paired together of equal standard. And then you see at the weekend, you have um, the likes of Sligo and Clare that, you know, go into a provincial final on a high um, and then unfortunately just come up against a a couple of teams that are so far ahead of them um, in terms of their development and their skill. Um, So, you know, it's I think it's a real mix. Like there's been some brilliant games in in every um, provincial championship this year. But unfortunately, we still have these one-sided games. And I think that, you know, for every every one-sided game that that we have, it seems to take away the good of maybe the five or six games that, that goes before it. And I think you just need to look at Munster as an example. Like Tipperary and Waterford was a very decent game. Uh, Clare had a, a, a win for the ages down in Ennis against Cork. Uh, Limerick were, I thought, uh, excellent in how they went about trying to take down Clare in the Munster semi-final. And, uh, you know, then you have Tipperary, who are well beaten by Kerry. And, you know, I'd say Clare very disappointed with, with what they produced on, on Sunday against Kerry because I, I definitely thought that they were they were a bit more ready to take on a team like Kerry than, you know, than, than, than some of the other teams, maybe like Tipperary, that came up against them recently. Yeah, I suppose you, you've had your handprint on that that Clare team with so many lads coming through UL. They're obviously doing an awful lot right in in Clare and there's probably not that many Limerick lads coming through. Can you put your finger on why is that? Coming through with UL you in, in compared uh, to Clare. Even the college system in general around around the country, there's only probably four or five lads on any given year. 
Yeah, I, I know Matt has, I've heard Matt talk about that before. Um, you know, on the face of it, I would say, you know, disappointing in some ways, but I suppose if you dig a bit deeper, it's, it's, it's not all bad either. Um, I suppose a couple of examples, as, as you guys will, will know, uh, John Hayes was, was on the UL Sigerson squad this year, played in the Sigerson final. Uh, last year, Paul Maher captained the UL team in the, in the Sigerson Cup final. Ronan McGilligan from Mungret has, has been part of the squad the last couple of years. Hugh Burke was in UL a couple of years previously. He played for UL. Um, there's a couple of lads that we've been trying to get in that it just hasn't worked out. Ruan O'Connor, for example, has played with John O'Grady in the Freshers, played in the Fresher final a couple of years ago. But himself and, and maybe Brian Nixon, one or two more, um, were, I suppose, tied really with Newcastle West this year up until, uh, up until Christmas. Uh, two dual players uh, got to a Premier Intermediate semi-final and obviously went to a Munster football final then with Newcastle West. So by the time their club season finished, um, you know, the ship had almost sailed in, in that sense. Uh, Cormac Wolf is another lad who's in UL, I think was injured uh, towards the end of last year. Again, would be somebody we'd be looking at this year. Um, and I do know that young lads like um, Emmett Richter, Aaron Neville, I think some of them have their eyes set on UL as well. So, like, my point is, you know, if you look at it just top line, you can say, God, there's not that many. But I suppose there is a few reasons for some of them, um, you know, not, not making the step up. What's it like, you know, trying to, to find lads in UL when you've probably the bones of 20,000 students? It's not like a club where you'd nearly know everyone. Like, how hard is it to cast that that net so wide in UL? Um, it's, it's yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think there's, there, as you said, there's up on 20,000 uh, students in there. But it's it's pretty okay, to be honest. Like, I mean, in the last couple of years, the, the profile of, of football has, has really risen. And, like... I'd say 90, 95% of lads will, will make themselves known. Uh, Inter-county managers are very good. You know, they're, they're, they're an interesting bunch. When you want something out of them, they're, they're, they're not as easy to deal with. But, you know, when they're, when they're trying to promote somebody to get to play cigarettes and football, then they have no problem reaching out as well. So uh, I think in general, uh, Jack, most of, most of the, the, the footballers in UL will make themselves available. And, you know, we've been very lucky in that sense. We've, we've a really good quality of football are coming through the last couple of years. Yeah, and this is my last point on the Sigerson. Matt, you might want to come back to it, but you talk about players making themselves available. You obviously had a, a certain David Clifford at your disposal last year. Just from seeing him up close personal, how how good is he? I would just like to um, offer up our condolences to the to David and, and the Clifford family um, from everybody in ULGA and, and obviously the, the wider Limerick public. Uh, on the passing of his mother at the weekend, um, a, a tough time for them all, and um, you know they 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 did what they thought was best, and they they honoured her memory by by making themselves available and uh, putting on a five star performance for Kerry on Sunday. I mean, he's he's every bit as good as 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 you can see and as you can imagine. Like he's just absolutely top class. Um, Things he can do on the pitch are just, you know, they're they're amazing, and he can he can inspire a room, he can inspire a pitch. You know, the David Clifford factor is 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 huge, and it was huge in in UL. Um, he, you know, everybody everybody wanted to be a part of the setup that that he was involved in. But I suppose when you when you consider that the that you know he's I think he might be twenty four now. He was twenty three when when we were dealing with him. He's been an all star for the last is it three or four years. 
uh, player of the year this year and, and you know you saw what, what he did in the game last year he's just an incredible young man he takes it all in his stride he's so easy to deal with he's so humble um, it was a real real privilege to work with him yeah, it's, it's a privilege to watch him as well, I suppose, in, in the same token. Moving on to the, the Talchon Cup, um, obviously for Limerick, we didn't experience it last year. Obviously, Western Mead went away and won it, and it was obviously huge for them. But what what's your take on the Talchon before it, it obviously kicks off this weekend for Limerick? Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Um, I, you know, I, I, I suppose I kind of alluded to it there that, that, you know, for some teams, there's only so far you can go before you come up against a heavy hitter and you know you're you're sent crashing back down to earth. So I think the Talton, like it's if if I'm correct, it's the second year of the Talton now. Um it you know it showed last year that it, it has something to offer for every every county that's in it really. I think you know there's probably five or six, maybe eight counties that will will fancy their chances of winning it. But equally I think you know there's there's no team in it that anybody needs to be fearful of. Um, I think the coverage you got last year was was outstanding. I think the two semi-finals were played in Croke Park. Uh, one of them, or sorry, the final was played before the All Ireland semi-final, um, and again that was in Croke Park. And you just see the the reaction that Westmead uh, got when when they won it. I think it has it has huge huge positives, and you know maybe a few teething problems last year in terms of. It kind of been split geographically, but this year, I think it's it's a great competition, and it's one that Limerick can very much look forward to um, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, looking forward to it, I suppose to be a different pressure on Limerick, uh, more of an expectation. Whereas you know, for the best part of the last two decades, there wasn't really much you know emphasis on Limerick winning. It was more of like you know, can we win? And oh, we played well today. Whereas now they're going to be expected to beat the likes of Longford and Carlone and Wicklow, what will it be like for those players dealing with that? Yeah, I, I think, look, that's that's part of the role of management and part of the role of, of you know, being an inter-county player. Like, you can only control the controllables, as the saying goes. Like, if, if there's a narrative out there that Limerick are favourites or, you know, Limerick have beaten these teams previously, that's, that's not for them to worry about. They just need to focus on internal stuff, stuff that they can control themselves, stuff that, you know contributes to getting a home win on Saturday against Longford, puts them in the driving seat. They can't worry about uh, about the, you know, the, the so-called narrative of, of maybe being seeded first or being favourites in, in some of these matches. They just got to look after things from their own point of view and uh, and deal with what comes their way. Yeah, and it's been an eventful year so far for Limerick. You know, the league was very disappointing, but they showed a lot against Clare that... It's more of the team from you know 2022 that was building than a team that has just gone back completely. Like they'll they'll have to take the, the positives from the Clare game. It was obviously a missed opportunity, but you know you need to be building on those kind of performances. Yeah, like it's it's been a patchy year for Limerick. I mean, if you if you were to run through it really quickly, they've you know they ticked the first couple of boxes by getting to the Murrayton final. Then maybe a performance they probably wouldn't have been happy with against Cork. A very patchy league performance uh, throughout where, you know, I've heard Matt talk about this before, very unlucky in terms of the first two fixtures that they got. Possibly could have got something against Lowe, which would have kick-started their season. Um, very disappointing performance against both Cork and Clare, and very good performances against Mead and, um, and Kildare. A brilliant, I would say, really, really strong performance against Clare, when I don't think, you know, I don't think the confidence 
certainly outside of the camp was, was very strong going into that game. And with five minutes to go, I really felt that game was there to be won. Uh, so I suppose the talented now is kind of last chance saloon for him. You know, there's there's no more competitions after this one. Um, but I, I would agree that if you can take the positives out of it, like Ian Corbett had to come off injured at halftime against Clare. Hugh Burke only came on at halftime. Adrian Enright was was suspended for that game. Uh, the form of Cahill Downs and Barry Coleman has been refreshing, I would say, you know, in terms of young lads coming through. So if you can if you can piece all that together, um, it, there's a lot to look forward to. But as I said, it is last chance saloon, and it's it really is time to time to start, uh, you know, delivering on, on on some of this now. Yeah, and and how important is it, you know, to deliver your first game at home? You are going to be favourites against a Longford team that you beat there last year just to kick the hit start the the ground running because you know if you lose, there'll be an awful lot of pressure on you then for your final two games. And obviously, Carlo and Wicklow in a one-off game will be will be difficult in their own right. Yeah, I think it's huge, Jack. Um, I'd be wary of Longford this weekend. I really would. You know, they're similar to Limerick. They've they've been patchy. Like they won the O'Byrne Cup at the start of the year. Then they had a really poor league, but they had a very good performance against Offaly in the Leinster Championship where, I don't know, did they lose by one or two points? Like football is number one up in, in Longford. Um, I believe they've been in Portugal since um, the league has ended. So I would say, you know, you're looking at a county that's targeting the the Talton Cup. You're looking at a county that, again, it's been patchy, but they have won something this year. And you you don't want to be coming out of Saturday, you know, f- facing into a trip to Carlow um, and equally a trip somewhere to, to play Wicklow, who've, you know, who've been promoted from, from Division 4. You certainly don't want to be in the, on the back foot after one. So I would be very, I would be, I would be wary. I'd be on guard this weekend. Uh, from a Limerick point of view. Yeah, but they're obviously a good team. Matt, I'll throw it over to you there for a few minutes. Uh, Declan, just, just reflecting on, on, on the whole Division 2 thing this year, um, was the transition w- from Division 4 to Division 2 too quick? Would Limerick have benefited more and be better prepared for Division 2 had they maybe two or three years in Division 3? Uh, I don't know, Matt. I, I think, I mean... Possibly is, is, I suppose, is the answer when, when you consider that, that, you know, Limerick came back down again so quickly. But, but equally, like you're not going to, you know, turn down these opportunities when they come your way. I thought when Limerick beat Fermanagh last year in, in the Gaelic grounds in that final game, um, I thought, you know, looking at those lads from a distance, I thought they looked, I thought they looked very impressive. They looked full of confidence. Um, you know, they, they looked physical in, 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 in terms of, you know, how they talked out, like a team that I suppose have been together for a couple of years under Billy and, and were, were mature and were confident. I think they backed it up by going to Ennis and getting a win. Um, you know, equally went to Turles. Okay, the Munster final may not have, you know, went their way. Again, I'm sure they're disappointed with, with some elements of that. The biggest thing probably, Matt, for me is that, you know, there was a change in management. Um, like Division 2, you hear it year in, year out. It's, it's the most competitive of all divisions that out there um, in, in, in footballing terms anyway. And I don't think Division 2 is a place for any management team to be kind of cutting their teeth or, you know, finding their, their form or getting to know a group. I think uh, it's it's a real you know it's a real hard place to to try and 
learn your trade. And I, I think that was probably the biggest, um, I suppose, the biggest disappointment that, that Limerick went into that kind of division two, almost trying to, to, you know, find out about themselves again and, and, and look for a bit of familiarity from within the group and within the management um, that the previous management would, would have, you know, would have had. Going into the Charlton Cup, Dick, then how important is it that relegation doesn't define Limerick's season? Um, I think I think that's that's you know you hit the nail on the head. Like it's it it that has to be put to the to the to the back of people's minds now. You gotta, I suppose, draw a line under the league and start from that Munster Championship performance against Clare. Um, I know, as we talked about, Clare be disappointed with their own performance last Sunday, but Clare are a seasoned, battle-hardy team that, you know, would would provide a serious opposition for an awful lot of teams. So if Limerick can go toe-to-toe with them, Matt, like they did, why can't that be the starting point for, for Limerick's season, um, you know, from, from there until whenever they, they exit the competition? So absolutely, like, the league is gone now. It's time to turn to the Talton. It's time to build on that performance against Clare. And I think Limerick, you know, I think they need to be ruthless um, if they're going to be serious about being contenders for this competition. Like they're seeded number one. They, you know, if they can control their own destiny, they can go straight to a quarter final. And if they do that, they're only one game away from Croke Park. So it's 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 in their hands, but it's for them now to to grab it by the scruff of the neck. Um, Declan, I suppose um, Don Cusick uh, stole all the head, headlines from last um, Sunday evening's um, uh, Sunday game, but there was a little discussion earlier on in the Sunday game that may have got lost when um, uh, Cora Stanton in particular threw the ball in again about the future of the provincial champions championships and um, Sean Kavanagh to a lesser degree weighed in, it, weighed in on it in light of what they had seen in the two provincial finals. Where do you stand on the future of the provincial championships? Yeah, like, as I said, it's, you know, I, I've been, I was at the Munster final on Sunday. Um, I was there last year in Killarney. Like, if you were to take it on its own, you know, it's 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 not the greatest spectacle when you when you have a team that you know, like in Kerry's example, the All Ireland champions coming up teams that are playing their football in Division Two, Division Three. There's always going to be a big gap. Equally, Galway up in um, up in Connacht were in the All Ireland final last year. They played Sligo, who who got promoted from Division Four. But as I said, I think people are forgetting the very good games along the way. Um, I think. I think it's as good as it can be, Matt. And it'll, it, you know, without it ever, it'll never be perfect. Like, as you, as we all know, the Munster Hurling Championship is the jewel in the crown from a hurling point of view. The Ulster Football Championship is, is, is the equivalent, maybe, maybe not as entertaining, but, but like for anybody that's based up north, they wouldn't give up the Ulster Championship for anything. And, you know, this weekend we're facing into what, what looks like it's going to be an absolutely brilliant Ulster final between Armand and Derry, um, it has now been linked to the, you know, to the to the the overall structure that if you take Clare for example, you know, you get relegated from Division Two, but if you get to a provincial final, then you you play in the Sam Maguire. Like, it's very easy to give out, but I I haven't heard many people come up with a solution either that's better than what's there right now. So I would think that whilst it's not perfect. 
it's probably as good as, as good as it can be um to be honest um i suppose we can't have a, a, a football discussion without reference to um to david clifford and i suppose you know um the trauma and the difficulty that the clifford family had over the weekend but um Sean Kevin in particular, I think you probably saw it was eulogizing him uh, on on Sunday evening for his football prowess, and um, he referenced that he, probably the best footballer of all time. Would 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 you go down that route? I suppose uh, that's a question that can only be answered, Matt, when when David Clifford finishes up his his football career. As I as I said earlier, he's twenty four years of age right now, and what he's done in the game so far has been remarkable. If he if he avoids injury, he can play for another ten years. Now, it's scary to think what um, what medals or what accolades or what heights David Clifford could could go to in the game over the next ten years. Like to watch him play football, you know, with his brother in particular. I suppose I always kind of when I look at the two of them, like they play football like. They're kicking ball out their own backyard. It's effortless to them. Like they have, you know, such a connection themselves. It's just getting stronger in terms of their own, you know, how they understand each other's games. I think Paddy has been just a revelation the last couple of years. I, I think, you know, he's so important to that Kerry team as a as a feeder and as a link player to to what Kerry do well. Uh, I think the two of them, you know, they. They, they have the world at their feet and, and look, Kerry are lucky to have them and, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit for David Clifford and, you know, in terms of his skill, but equally his temperament and, you know, how he, how he, can, how he can take it all in his stride. Uh, Declan, briefly turning back to, 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 to Limerick and all things Limerick and particularly the underage structure, I suppose. We were unluckily beaten in a Munster minor football final in 2021 we've reached the phase phase one final last year and again this week and uh, this year and um and the, uh, do you think um, that, that, that there's green shoots um uh, coming out of the limerick football academy i think there is matt i think as i said if you look at the likes of barry coleman and and Carl downs this year they've been you know refreshing in in terms of what they brought to the senior squad um I agree with you in the 20s, and, and I think it's fair to point out that I think a lot of the squad um, are underage again next year. So that minor team that you talk about, um, you know, has one more year, I suppose, to, to, to build on that, that minor success of uh, two years ago now. So I, I think if you look at the 20s this year, in, in, in some ways, you, you know, if, again, if you look at it top line, you could, you could say it was possibly disappointing, but I think... If, if you take into account that the bulk of that team were probably, you know, a year, a year younger than being on the age, I think they have a lot to look forward to next year. And, and I know John Ryan was on with you last week um, and he deserves huge credit for the work he's done with the minors because they took a, you know, they took a bit of a beating against, I think it was Tipperary in the first round. And, and I think it's this week they're, they're now facing into um, a, a playoff final uh, to you know, to go further in the Munster competition. So absolutely, there's there's always great work being done. There's people that are putting an awful lot into it. Um, Stephen Levin is is now heading up the academy. I work with Stephen in UL and I know the passion he brings to, to everything that he does and, and you know, the, the professionalism and, and, and the amount of good people that 
that they have involved. So there, I think there's always green shoots for sure. Just turning your your UL hat for a while, how important is is the Fitzgibbon Cup? Uh, sorry, the Sigerson Cup, in terms of providing a feeder or providing um, um, you know future intercounty players because. In, in, in terms of the GA hierarchy, um, the Sigerson Cup has gone up considerably in the last, in, in terms of importance in the last 10 years or so. Yeah, I, I've, I've been managing UL now for five years, Matt, and post-COVID, the, 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 the kick that the, the higher education has given the Sigerson Cup compared to pre-COVID has been huge. It's it's been, it's worlds apart if if I'm being honest. Now again, we've we've had some high profile players which have have helped UL in in that sense. But in in 2019, the competition was straight knockout. Um, we had one chance. We were beaten and we were gone. And you know it was it was it was a, a, t- a tough day all round. But like the structure of the competition since it came back um, has been absolutely brilliant. Couple of small issues, obviously. I'm very biased when I say this, but it still probably doesn't get the respect that it that it deserves. Um, a very small tweak um, in terms of maybe not making intercounty or sorry, making intercounty players exclusively av- available to their to their Sigerson squads uh, while the preseason competitions are going on. I think would be would be huge. So, for example, if if John Hayes was was on the Limerick squad, or or you know, um, a Hugh Burke or a Paul Maher, as we said, that they they would be you know if they were named on a Sigerson squad, that they'd be left play Sigerson in January and not be expected to play um, a Grac Cup. I think just a very small tweak like that would do wonders for the competition because it's an outstanding competition, um, and and I, I I think I'm speaking to the converted here when I say that, but. The level of football, the standard of opposition, it, it's it's outstanding. It's the closest thing to, to inter-county senior that, that's out there. You know, we would have played a lot of inter-county teams over the years and we would have held our own with, with the bulk of them. Um, and it's brilliant. And I think that the, the bit that probably goes amiss with an awful lot of people here is that these players are mad to play Sigerson football, Fitzgibbon hurling. You know, they see it as part of their development. They see it as part of their college experience. And I I think, you know, it's, as I said, it's it's got a lot of respect in the last couple of years. The, the, the status of it has gone up, but there's still a bit, a bit to go. But to, to, try and, to try and go back and answer your question, how important is it? It's very important. And you only have to look at the likes of the Clare footballers. I think of the game that was on at the weekend, about 10 of them, have been in UL and on the Sigerson uh, squad over the last 10 years. So if it's used correctly, it's it's um, it's vitally important. Colm wrote there at the start of the year, you probably had the discharge the trade, um, about the scheduling of the Sigerson Cup, demanding that it be moved. Mm. Um, personally, looking at it and knowing a bit about the whole the whole college system that that. Um, I, I can't see or find a more suitable um, time for scheduling the competition. Yeah, Cullum was, I think, was was he on the back of two wins on, on the trot when, uh, when when he came out with that. And uh, I think things have kind of gone a bit downhill for him since. And funnily enough, the players that he was on about were actually players that, that we were coming up against about 10 days later. So we were very uh, we were very clued into that, that um, ranch, if, if you want to call it that, at the time. 
And look, I suppose, I think it, it's fair to say, Matt, that as an inter-county manager, he does have a point in terms of, you know, what he's dealing with. But as I said, if there was a, you know, if there was a tweak there, that I think it was Matthew Costello or Shane Walsh were the, were the two players involved. If they weren't, you know, if they were told that they had to play one or the other, i.e. that if there was a rule there that if they were on the DCU squad, they wouldn't be available to meet, then that wouldn't have been a problem. So I'm not sure it's about moving the competition. I think it's more about making a couple of tweaks to the competition. Like there's no room to move it out. You know, the league is, is fast approaching when, when the Sigerson and the Fitzgibbon is going on. And the only other option then is to move it back. And if you move it back, you're, what people don't realise is you're getting into exam time around Christmas uh, or pre-Christmas, shall we say, which defeats the purpose again. So I don't know. They're, they're, I know in the Ashburn, they do play one or two rounds before Christmas and then the bulk of it is played uh, after Christmas. Maybe a tweak like that would help uh, in terms of getting one or two rounds you know, done and, and have less to come back to after Christmas. But as I said, I think that tweak of actually maybe just leaving the, the inter-county player uh, to play college on, you know, colleges only in January, I think that would solve an awful lot of problems. Um, and it would equally, you know, it's important that the inter-county managers can, can do their thing as well. So I'm not for calling off the pre-seasons, I'm, I'm for making a couple of tweaks to them, if that makes sense. It does indeed. Uh, final question from me, and I can't let you go without asking you about the, the raging debate that's going on at the moment. And I, I have noticed that the narrative over the last 24 hours, there have been devious attempts um, to pit football against hurling in the, the, the debate about the GA uh, go the, that, and all, all that sort of stuff. What do you think of this whole thing? And what do you see a solution to it? There's no solution to it, Matt, in, in the format that we've gone down, which is what I call the split season. Like, it, you know, it kicks off, I'd say, is it maybe four to six weeks before Christmas where inter-county teams start, start going back training um, and it, it, it rolls on all the way, you know, up until an All-Ireland final in, I think it's June now. Like, we've, we seem to have boxed ourselves into half if maybe just over half of the year and we're trying to serve two masters we're trying to you know get through a hurling uh, calendar and, eat, and and at the same time run a football calendar parallel to it it's not possible to show every game each weekend so i kind of have a bit of sympathy for for the ga and for rp in that sense but equally it has to be said that not showing Limerick and Clare and the likes of Cork and Tipperary and Clare and Tip, three games that I watched myself on GA Go, is a form of madness. Like it, it, it doesn't make sense to, to not show those games. So I think, you know, like today's headlines will be kind of forgotten about tomorrow. And all it will take is a couple of good games this weekend or maybe. You know, the weekend after next, I think there's a bonanza of hurling uh, and the likes of Kerry and Mayo's behind the paywall. And that's going to switch the argument. So, I mean, Don Log Cusick is brilliant. Uh, he's a brilliant analyst. He's very passionate about hurling. Um, and I don't think anybody could question, you know, his, his kind of his theory the other night or his thoughts. 
But as I said, in two weeks' time, it's probably going to be Sean Kavanagh who's going to try and get his tuppence, uh, you know, his opinion out there and possibly make a few headlines for himself as well that, that his name will be attached to. So I do think, you know, it's it's a bit of a storm and a teacup. It'll, it'll change again next weekend. And I don't know what the solution is, Matt, when you're trying to condense a year, almost a year into, into six months with, with two codes. You personally, I'd love to see the Arlarans just go back a couple of weeks. Um, and I think there's merit in it because I just remember last year, Mayo, for example, they got knocked out of the football championship very early in the year and they didn't start their county championship until around September. They waited maybe two months before they decided to kick things off. And, and if you're to stay on the Mayo subject for a second, to think that you can win a league and national competition on a Sunday and be expected to be out in your provincial championship six days later against Roscommon, it, it, just, it just doesn't make sense. It's just too tight a window. And as I said, when you're thrown in hurling and TV rights and, you know, space, I just, I, I you know, I struggle to see a solution, if I'm being honest. Thanks. Thanks very much. That's it from me, Declan. Many thanks. Yeah, that, it's, Thanks, it's a mess. It's a messy one, all right. Just before you go, um, I'm Declan. Just on the Talchon for Limerick. Right now, what would represent a good Talchon Cup for Limerick, in your own opinion? I think they have a couple of targets that they need to they need to kind of pick off bit by bit over the next couple of weeks, Jack. I think a win on Saturday night is number one. Get get the ball rolling with a home victory against Longford. Get a bit of momentum. Get on the bus the week after against Carlo in 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 confident mood, and you know target that that uh, number one position that that they've been granted as as the, the number one seeds as of now. I think if they get to a quarter final, then they're you know if if we go on last year's format, they're one game away from Croke Park, uh, you know, and if they can get to a semi final in Croke Park, then I think you're you're in the mix then at that stage, and it's anybody's. Um, it's anybody's, you know, title from there because it's just it's all on form and it's in, you know, how your squad is looking injury wise. But I think bit by bit they need to they need to target um, the next couple of weeks and and you know the overall target maybe trying to get to that semi final place in Croke Park. Yeah, I think that's that is that is the goal for Limerick. Declan, you've been very good with your time, well over a half an hour. We did tell you off air that you probably would go overboard, but um. Huge contribution there. Um, thanks very much for coming on and giving all your thoughts. I'm sure Matt Leck with a sentiment and we'll be on to you again uh, soon. I'm I'm sure of that. Absolutely. Great stuff, Absolutely. Thanks, thanks very much. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much, Declan. Lovely. Cheers, we'll talk guys. to you soon. Best, thanks, best Declan. Wishes. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Now, Matt, Declan Bruder there with some brilliant insights into, I suppose, football at all levels from college to inter-county to underage. And... Um, as I told you before this recording, Jack, um, we were talking to a serious football man uh, today that that really, really thinks about thinks about the game and is so passionate. He exuded passion there, you know, and um, you, you you can see why um, you know UL are now a big force in 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 in, in the in the Sigerson Cup with a man like Declan Bruder at the helm. Like he was um he did a fantastic job for a couple of years with Limerick on the twenties. He was a selector under John Bruder like um he has a CV to be proud of in terms of football. It's um 
you know, he's he, he he's a very, very, very knowledgeable football man, Jack. Yeah, hopefully that UL can just, just get over the line. They've been to two finals in a row, hopefully um, 2024. Will will be the year um for you well, but we spoke a lot about the Telstra Cup, Matt. But we'll we'll stay on the topic just for a few moments. Um, obviously Limerick versus Longford this Saturday in the two scale crowns. That game is at six o'clock now. It was originally quarter to five, but six o'clock now. Um, had a good win against Longford uh, last year in the first round of the league, you know, and eventually got promotion. But you know, a lot of water has got under the bridge since then. Obviously, Limerick under new management, they've got relegated back down. Longford also got relegated this year, but I think both teams will have had championship games. The Limerick we saw against Clare and Ennis, I suppose, was a completely different Limerick to the one we saw in the Gaelic Rounds five weeks later in in the Munster semi-final. So, you know, if if Limerick can build on that performance against Clare and put in a, a display like that, you know, you'd, you'd expect to have too much for Longford. That's the point, Jack, and 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 that that is the trick um, to build on that performance. But Declan Bruder made a very, very, very salient and important point there that he would be slightly worried about Longford. Yeah. Um, now, all all right, their pedigree would would say their recent pedigree would suggest, you know, that Limerick should be beating him because they were rele- we were relegated from Division Two, and they were relegated from Division Three. Now they won the Auburn Cup. And in the Auburn Cup final, they beat Loud. Now, you know, preseason counts for very, very little, as they found out in the league. But but they have silverware. Now, uh, Paddy Christie is a very, very good manager. And, um, like, they put up a very, 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 very good performance um, against Offaly in the first round of the championship. And that was after they beating Antrim in the final round of the league. But in in that final round of the, the league game, it was a dead rubber. Because Antrim were safe and, and Longford were already um, um, relegated. So basically all they were looking for um, was the boost of a win. And I, I suppose pride and bragging rights. But getting back to it, it's going to be a very, very tough challenge for Limerick. And, you know, the minimum that Limerick would have to... to to produce on Saturday evening if they have to get over Longford is a repeat of the Clare um, performance and maybe a bit witted, Jack. Yeah. Because uh, Longford, Longford, you know, um, Longford rightly, like Limerick, will have ambitions of a very, very good run in this competition. So um, it's, 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 it's anything but a gimme. And um, it, it, but it, it's it's a game that were you to come out on the right side of it, you would have a very 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 good foothold on the group, because oh. um, I, I I I would be expecting that, um, no disrespect to Carlo, but I would be expecting that Limerick, Longford, and Wicklow might emerge from the group, um, but 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 you you don't know. But um, having said that, it's 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 hugely important. That we get a win, and uh, the, a performance like that against Clare, or slightly better, as I said, Jack, would be a minimum, I think, uh, to get over the line on Saturday evening. Yeah, but you know, it's good that you're, even though it's Telford Cup, it's not All Ireland. It's good to be looking forward to Limerick game with Limerick as the favourites, and you know, in the league, more often than not, they they did well with that favourites tag. So hopefully, they can they can continue in that vein, and you know, get off to a good start because. 
this Limerick team has shown when they get a run of momentum under them, they are very hard to stop. So you'd be, you'd be hopeful that this mm. Saturday, you know, they can get off on the right start and then they can, you know, less pressure be on them. As you said, three will come out of the group. The the group table toppers will say into quarterfinal and then second and the three best third place teams will go to preliminary quarterfinals. New York will join them there. And, but that's that's way down the line. That's way down the line. We look forward to this weekend at six o'clock. Um, well, back, what we'd be hoping is that um, we wouldn't be concerned with third place. Let's hope. Unless there was a trip to New York, I don't know if they're still playing home and away games. But if no, no, case, no, New York, New York have to come to Ireland. <laughs> okay, we'll be hoping so I, for the, I, straight, I, I, straight. I saw that conference during the week. That would be their second trip to the Emerald Isle. Yeah. Okay, we'll 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 go straight for the quarter. So if. Um, would be the ideal route, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. But the best look to, to Mark Fitz and his team in the in the Talshan Cup first round against Longford this Saturday. Anyone just joined us now? We spoke at, at length with Declan Bruder, former Limerick selector and 21s manager, about the game. So if you missed that, go back to the start and get up to date with it. Also touched upon earlier, Matt, was that phase one final uh, this Thursday evening against Tipperary in Mallow. Limerick versus Tipperary, a repeat of last year's final with John Ryan on last week to talk about that game at length. Um, I suppose where last year it was only the winners going through, this year there's the caveat that Limerick will still play one of the big boys, Kerry or Cork, regardless of the outcome. That should take the pressure off a small bit. Um, the pressure will be on Tipperary after beating Limerick, and it's somewhat of a free hit. I know it's a final, it's a piece of silverware for Limerick, but it's a small bit of a free hit for Limerick. and. This side has shown, you know, progression throughout the campaign. Lost the tip, but then beat Clare and Watford in back-to-back games, games they had to win. So you'd be hoping for three in a row. You'd be hoping, you'd be hoping for three in a row. And as you said, with John Ryan in last week, and um, like I saw the, I saw the the, 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 the game with Tipperary in, in in the first round, and I I was very very disappointed as you had me putting it to to John Ryan last week. Um, I was uh, very, very disappointed with the Limerick <laughs> performance. Like they, they've tu- they've turned it around since. That was a very, very good win. Very few teams, you know, go to Milltown Malbay and win and win as you know and win as convincing as as Limerick did in that minor game. And then, you you, you know, you, you you had Waterford who were out of the competition unless they won by what thirty points or something, um, in the final round, and that was kind of. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But they probably struggled a bit because Waterford chose to put 13 or 14 players behind the ball. So, but um, uh, I, I, I would be, I would be optimistic going to going to Mallow tomorrow evening, Jack, this Thursday evening, because um, like they were Limerick were beaten, um, beaten by seven points in McNeville Park, and like it was a performance that I thought couldn't go any lower. And subsequent events have proved that, that to be the case. Now, I understand and um, I'm hearing that there's a distinct possibility that um, Aidan O'Shea, who has been the team captain and and the only survivor from last year's team, that he may be available, is likely to be available on Thursday evening, which would be yeah. a massive, massive boost. A massive, yeah. massive boost. Um, because he, this guy is a top top class footballer, good good hurler as well. Won in All Ireland um, colleges D with Kalashnikov and Rakil, and um, 
I, I can just imagine himself and and if if he's if he's on himself and Evan Curry, um, you know, who has been absolutely outstanding since he done the captain's armband. Uh, the lad from Atea. Um, so, like, what I had no share to start. And, um, you know, we, we we can put all the pressure on one man to turn it around, but it'll make a huge difference, Jack. Yeah, no, definitely would if he was down starting. It'd be a huge boost, you know, for uh, for Limerick just to see him on the field and also for Tipperary because he got a goal in uh, in last year's phase one final. But, um, Look, there's a there's a there's an in-depth discussion with John Ryan uh, on YouTube as well, so we won't dwell on that game for too long. We we'll just wish John and this decide the best of luck this Thursday in Mallow at seven o'clock. That game is live on Munster GA TV, so uh, we, we, we will keep an eye on that. And please God, it'll be a Munster semi-final against the losers of Kerry and Cork to play. That's the I suppose that's the reward for the winners of the phase one is that they play the losers of Kerry and Cork. The, if Limerick are defeated, they'll play the winners of that game. But uh, hopefully you won't have to worry about that. And again, the best yeah. look to John Ryan. Just, just, very, just very interestingly, Jack, um, in, in last year's championship, we're talking about Cork and Kerry now. Just for a minute, if I can deviate. Do? In the first round in Tralee last year, Kerry beat Cork by 14 points. It was the semi-final then because the winner was going through to the final and the loser was going through to the winner um, to fair, the semi-final against the winner of the phase one. That was the format back then. When they met three weeks later in 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 the in the um, monster final, Cork won by eleven. A turnaround yeah. of twenty-five points. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh, at, at minor, you know, it's. They're they're very young to kind of these games, and you know, a setback can be a real motivation, or it can go the other way. So um, it, it's very topsy turvy, and that's what Liverpool will be looking at. You know that they were comprehensively beaten by Tipperary. I think it's fair to say in the in the first round game, um, it was one eleven to seven double scores. Um, hopefully Limerick will be able to get exact some sort of revenge um against Tipperary this Thursday night. Um, sticking with team of minors, Matt, and it was a disappointing one for the minor Camogie side at the weekend, losing to Antrim in Nolan Park in the minor A Shield final. Um, a back and forth contest, Matt. Antrim just edged the first half, but then Limerick roared back into life in the in the second half just after the resumption. But you know, a, a crucial second goal was was probably the overall dis, uh, difference um, for Antrim. You know, we were we were talking to Paul Neenan last week, and and he said, you know, to get to the Ireland final was exceptional, and they were against the farm team in the competition. Antrim, who subsequently won their sixth game, but you know, a bright future for these players. A very very bright future, Jack. And um, whilst the goal was important, I I I would pinpoint another turning point, um, and that was after we turning around a six-point deficit into a two-point lead, the concession of three scorable frees on the trot, which Anna McKillop nailed all three of them. Um, you know, with five minutes to go to half-time and Antrim playing against the breeze, there were six points up. By half-time, Limerick had reduced that to two points. Um, the goal came as a, as a result of a penalty. There was a foul on Neve Brennan. Poppy Giltonan um, 
took the penalty. It it, it was saved saved by Eamon McGivern uh, in the Antrim goal, and the ball broke to Laura Southern, who is the ultimate predator around the square, and she buried it in the net. So Limerick went in at half time two points down. And, and and they struck the first four points of the second half. To, uh, by the 40th minute, with 20 minutes to go, Limerick were leading by two points. And then they conceded three frees in a row. Um, and um, as I say, Anna McKillop um, converted all three. They nosed in front. And then player of the match, Olaf McAllister, um, got a goal on the 50th minute. And um, I think that put them um, and some four points or possibly five at the time and it was a struggle after that but Limerick battled and battled and battled a couple of points from Neve Brennan and um, brought it back to a one score game as it went down to the closing minutes but Limerick just couldn't close the gap um, and, and Antrim found that little extra kick and got two late points but overall Jack it, it, it has been a fantastic season for Limerick minor Camogie and congratulations to, to, to Paul Neen and to Tony Dunn and to, to their, their management team. They did a great job. Um, and the girls have been wonderful throughout the year. And, um, uh, you know, reaching an All-Ireland final is never easy. But they got there. And Jack, for a long, long time in the second half, it looked as if they may get over the line. But it, it, it wasn't to be. But well done to everybody. Yeah, well done to the side. Obviously, you know, reach reaching the final isn't much consolation. But when you're when you're older and look back and realize that finals don't come around too often, um, the girls and the management team can be proud of themselves. And hopefully, it's the start of a a fruitful few years for them in the Limerick jersey. We saw that team of twenty fourteen. We always reference them how much they they built on from their minor win and really brought Limerick to new heights. So hopefully, this side can follow in, in those footpaths. Um, we obviously we didn't have Limerick at the weekend playing hurling match, but we were we were serving up a real a real cracker in Munster, and every game is so important, regardless of who's playing in the Munster hurling championship. Um, there was only one game, and it was on Diego, and we'll get to that in a while. But one game, um, Cork versus Tipperary, real back and forth contest. Now talking about them. Tipperary will probably feel like they, sh- they should have put it away a lot earlier, but Cork, to their credit, under Pat Ryan, showed a resilience that I don't know have we seen that too much in recent years. Finished the draw, but what a game, first and foremost, Matt. Yeah, what a game, um, you know, which um, for whatever reasons, and we'll be talking about it later, later the multitudes couldn't, couldn't see, and some of those that paid for it and tried to Tried to get into it, didn't see it either. So, but um, yeah, look, but it, it's it's but it, this the, all this is doing, Jack, is bearing out um, what John Kiley has has been saying pre- before the before the Monster Championship kicked off that this was going to be the most competitive series for years, and it has it has proved right. Claire and Tip, they they drew. Um, uh, sorry. Cork and Tip they drew. Clare beat Limerick by a point. Limerick beat Waterford by two points. And I think in the end was a Clare beating or Tipperary beating Clare by four. Mm. So that that will give you an idea that there's little or nothing between the, the between the sides. But obviously, um, 
as good and all of, as as the game um, was in 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 Parky Cleve, what what we are concerned from a Limerick point of view is the fallout. In in yeah. in in terms of our chances, um, um, for qualifying for the Munster final or indeed qualifying for the All Ireland series, and by my reckoning, Jack, um, anything less than two wins will not guarantee us to get through. Yeah, like- we need two wins. We need two wins to be absolutely certain now. Um, you know, that, that, that's factoring in Cork winning in Innes. Uh, we said Clare beating Waterford, which may not be a gimme now. But the, the, the one question mark about Cork, Jack, is they showed great resilience. They picked up three points from their two games, but both games were on Lee side. They have to go to Cusick Park and they have to go to Innes. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how they travel. But yeah, last I, year, when their when their backs were to the wall, they travelled to Walsh Park and dug out a win. Yeah, the thing the thing for Limerick is there there will have been three games by the time they've um, played. By the time they play Tipperary, obviously the Cork and Tip game, you know, Clare and Water this weekend, and Clare and Cork will be over by the time Limerick and Tipperary play. Now they won't have had a second to think about the game, but going out into the field. There's every possibility that they will know exactly what they need to do. They won't have had time to prepare, but you know, they will they will know what they need to do. Like it's going to be so intriguing at, at four o'clock and Turles, and you're smiling there. And look, we wish I'm, Limerick I'm, had two I'm, wins I'm smiling. Under the board. I'm, I'm smiling because um John Kiley and Paul Kenark through to forum will not be waiting until half three or quarter to four on Sunday week um, to know what's at stake. They will be preparing their team for single-mindedly beat Tipperary and Turles. And yeah. there will not be in the slightest bit interest what happens elsewhere. No, they won't. And and you know, it's it's been it's been it's been a it's been a good break um for Limerick, you know, and as I said, there'll be so much there'll be so much water under the bridge, but it's it's just a fascinating, fascinating championship. Um it's been really enjoyable um uh, uh, you know to, to watch all these games and before I suppose for the last two years or for the last year and in nineteen we were kind of fairly comfortable in Limerick getting through and knowing there was Munster Finals to to look forward to and now it's different and you have people that had arranged holidays and everything around. Munster finals in All Ireland's, and you know that mightn't come to fruition. So we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. Obviously, we've had some unbelievable games, Matt, that we've mentioned so far. But I think Declan alluded to it earlier as well. Three of those have been on Diego, um, Tipperary and Clare, um, Limerick and Clare, and the Cork and Tipperary game. You know there was rumblings about those games being on Diego, and I suppose Declan or. Donald Cusack really brought those to light with an impassioned speech on the Sunday game, and, and everyone has an opinion on it. Um, what's yours? Yeah, well, you know, um, Don Log has formed when it comes when it comes to that sort of stuff, and um, let, let's say there's very few pundits, Jack, that I admire more than Donald O'Cusick, and I congratulate him on on, on his intervention. On 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 um, la- last Sunday evening, it's something that that had to be said and was sum- simmering under the surface all weekend and the previous weekend, and it, it it was good that somebody had the courage in the circumstances to come out and say it. I'm opposed to Jack 
Um, now, look, I, I get this GA go thing, you know, and I get the resource it is to the diaspora and people abroad. I get all that. But, you know, I, I find it very, very hard to reconcile um, that we as licensed pairs in this country cannot get free to air access to our national games in our national broadcaster. I find that desperate hard to comprehend, to understand, and to accept. And, um, uh, like, th th there is a school of thought out there, and it's totally correct that the big, big games, and we need only look at um, Tip, and, uh, Tip and Claire, uh, Claire and Limerick, Tip and Cork, put behind the paywall to promote the paywall. And now we see that the switch of um, the, the, the the juicy the juicy um, um, All Ireland Senior Football Championship games, Galway and Tyrone, and um, Kerry and Mayo, they're being put behind the, the paywall. You know to make the to to get people in. But Jack, there's a whole myriad of people out there that that pay for this thing and are getting no reception. A very, very poor reception. I know somebody that has paid for a couple of them and hasn't seen a puck of a ball. Yeah. Like, um, it's, it's all very fine having this thing. But have we the infrastructure? Have we the broadband infrastructure in the country to take it? And the answer is a very definite no from what we're hearing. We're yeah, hearing and loads and loads, loads and loads of stories of people being paying their paying their fee or paying paying their, you know, whatever it is, and 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 failing to access access it. This is totally 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 unaccept, un, unacceptable. And like, I saw Mr. Quinn coming out there on on on, on the news. Was it last night or the night before? Um, you know, what a vacuous argument. Uh, to, to to defend the whole thing, saying, uh, don't judge this thing in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Give it a couple of years. The hustle bolted in a couple of years. We don't have a couple of years. We don't even have a week at this stage. Yeah, I think it, it, I, I, I think it needs to be reversed immediately, Jack. Yeah, I, I suppose I'm, I agree with some um, aspects of it. I disagree with other aspects. Um, the idea of using the Munster Hurling Championship and now these round one Sam Maguire games to promote it, I think is is wrong in a way. But from a from a business point of view, I can see exactly why they're doing it. You know, would people have tuned into if you would put the provincials behind the paywall? You'd say, hey, would people have tuned into Kerry and Clare? You know, knowing it's going to be lopsided, probably not. The same with Galway and Sligo. It'll be the same with Dublin Loud, you'd imagine. So, like, the, uh, that our man Derry will probably be the only provincial football game that will be tight, you'd imagine. So, in that regard, it, it's wrong from a moral point of view, but you can understand why they did it to an extent from, from a business point of view. Um, for me as well, you know, I grew up in an age where, where you, you had a phone very young. Well, I suppose I had a phone when I was 12 or 13. Now it's far younger. But, you know, I'm, I'm well accustomed to using technology and, you know, looking up games is grand for me but even the Limerick Clare game um I went in as I probably went into town at one or two o'clock in the day just to get parked in town and because I was walking out with a few of the lads and things and we got food and stuff and that was fine but 
I know my own mother here is, isn't good with technology and she couldn't watch the game. I tried helping her from the phone, ringing her and she couldn't get it up. And I suppose that's the problem where it lies. It, it's grand. They're used to flicking on the television or even used to flicking on the Sky Arena program that had the GA. That's that's where, you know, I suppose it, it's wrong in a way and people, you know, my own grandmother got rest her when, when she was alive, she'd watched every game. There would be no hope for her getting GA goals. So, there you I go. don't know. Yeah, maybe you know that's that that is something that's worked on. I think you know I probably have more of a duty to to my mother and grand grandparents in their life to be uh, setting it up for them. But if anything went wrong and I was at the game, that's it. But for me, what's most glaring is the fact that it was a Saturday evening, and you had a Munster Championship hurling game, and and it wasn't shown. Like it should have been. There was like I know there was rugby on, or whatever. That's fine. But the rugby can be on the RT player or the GA could be on the RT player. Channels that are readily accessible on uh, the the Serview box. You know, we had four hours of a coronation. And I mean, if that's what you're into, that, that's fine. But I mean, you could have watched that in BBC. Sky News had it. I don't understand why we had that. There was, there's other days that there's random programs on when there could be GA. Now, I know it's not a sports channel, but... Sport draws in all the biggest viewers. You look at those end of year figures. It's sport. It's all Ireland finals, semi finals, those provincial finals that are bringing in um, these numbers. That there should not be a Saturday evening if there is a championship game on. It is the pinnacle of Irish sports. Um, I know it's not professional, but it is the pinnacle in terms of viewership. It that should be the game that's on, and you can have the other games on different channels or have RT one and two on, and you can have a pick between rugby. Or GA. I don't like the argument rugby against GA or rugby against soccer or GA against whatever. There should be facilities for all of them. I know it can't be on 24 hours of the day. There's Sky Sports for that. But there's definitely fundamental issues. It's good in a way that more games are being shown, but it needs to be more accessible. Um, and I don't know what the solution is, Matt, but it, it'll have to be worked on during this championship and definitely over the summer you know, to find a better product and more readily available to, to people, I suppose, in the countryside and older people that don't know how to use these pieces of technology. I agree with you, Jack, but um, I, I don't get this business aspect of it, uh, you know, because I, I, I cannot get that to sit comfortably with the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of volunteers around the country that work 52 weeks of the year for the GAA. It's a slap in the face to an awful lot of those people that they can't have free access to the big games, the big games of the association that they're making such a huge contribution to. Like that, there is an awful lot of people that, that I've spoken to in the last two or three weeks since this whole thing raised its ugly head um, that, that are disaffected with, with, with the GA and this carry on. And like yeah. time... Time is not on the GA's side in finding a solution, not on RTE's side in, in finding a solution. I think yeah, it has got think, to be found now, Jack. Like we, we have the we with the T-shirt, the tarnished of our country, the leader of, of, of the Green Party. Like the, the dogs on the street are up in arms against this thing. Yeah, there are a few proponents of the thing making this argument and that argument and you know what about football and all this 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 sort of thing like there has to be space for them all you know and vacuous arguments uh, defending this thing yeah and 
there's things coming out the whole time as well. It's Wednesday morning now we're recording. Even Tuesday night, Virgin Media came out. I'm seeing stuff just there on Twitter before we started recording. You know, everyone is having their say. And I suppose information is a good thing. And the more information we can get, but as you said, time is, is running out. We're going to have big games now that, that people won't be able to access. But what I will say is for those listening that are that are able to, to work the Diego and have it bought, you know, reach out to your, your family and friends, gener- especially the older generation, and say, look, if you want to watch this game, just give me a bell and, I, and I'll set it up for you. And hopefully then the people in the suits can do it on a higher level. But for those like myself... Jack, that's embracing I, it. That's know, embracing it, something that's wrong. It's giving credence I, to something that's wrong. I disagree with you totally on that. But they're not. It won't. It won't be changed anytime soon. I don't think. I don't think they're just going to start. Like RT will have their schedule in place months out. Um, people, so I don't people, think... people, people should vote with their feet. Ignore that. Ignore it. And highlight the folly that it is. Absolute folly. This. True. I think people are voting with their feet in terms of attendance. You know, you had thirty-five or six. Apparently, as the Cork and Tip game, talking to anyone that was there said there was hardly a seat to be got. And you know, the Cork can take well over fifty. Um, you know, Limerick and Clare, they said thirty thousand. It was definitely closer to forty. Um, I think if the the children under sixteen going in free, they mightn't be counted. So people are voting with their feet in, in that regard. But for those that can't, is what what I'm saying. And I don't. I'm not saying they're not going to change it. So we'll have to change. I just think. Well, well, it there's only one way of getting an immediate change and stopping this thing, and that is ignoring it. People not buying it. That's that's people voting with their feet. I I know, but you're. I would have hated to miss the game. There, right no, now. I, I I for one are prepared to make the sacrifice. I'm not seeing the games, rather than acquiesce to this folly. Yeah. Uh, look, it, it's something. It's something that has to be rectified, and 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 everyone will have their own opinion, and and different opinions. But definitely sooner rather than later, we'll we'll have to get um something will have to be changed, and it has to be more accessible, I suppose, um to everyone, not just people, other people in the country. I'd like just people in cities that might have poor broadband as well. So hopefully that can be uh that can be rectified soon. Um. Bef- before we, we finish up, we obviously we've an interview with Neve McCarthy to come, yes, um, about a, a fundraiser in Drum Broadford. But before we move from Hurling, Matt, um, I think it was last Thursday night we got the dreaded news on uh Sean Finn confirmed that it, it was the cruciate injury, something he had done in 2016. Saw him gone off at halftime against Clare. And when he walked he walked back onto the field, you know, after the half, looked to be walking fine. You know, John Kiley didn't give much away, said he was going for a scan. You were hoping it was something maybe like the likes of um what Mike Casey picked up for an appearing that ruled him out for, you know, two or three months. But unfortunately, Sean's season is done, um, probably for Bruff as well. And it's a huge blow for them after reaching the final last year, losing to the eventual All Ireland finalists, um, to lose your talisman so early in the year for Limerick. You know, we we lost Peter Casey and Keane Lynch last year, and, and this year it's Sean Finn. And the more we think about it, the more irreplaceable he is. There's brilliant backups there in their own right, and we'll get to them in a while. But for Sean, first and foremost, for him as a man, it, it's a really tough blow, Matt. And I suppose we all just want to wish him the best in his recovery. Absolutely, Jack. The the the, the our, our our first time. Our, 
uppermost thoughts ha have to be with Sean Finn himself and 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 um, wish Sean a very very speedy a, a speedy recovery and um, as as we, we as you have rightly outlined there he's been down this road unfortunately before and he he knows what he is facing but um, as as far as Limerick and Brofford concerned um, it, Sean Finn Jack I think there's no argument. Sean Finn is the best defender of the game. Yeah, no argument. You know, I I, I don't think there's that. I I I can't I I can't imagine a cogent argument to say otherwise. But um, no. he he um, he's going to be a huge huge loss to Limerick. And it, it, no, Limerick might opt for a direct replacement. But I I I think um. Uh, not trying to second guess um, John Kiley, Paul Kinnock and their management team, but um, there might be a little bit of a rejigging in the defence um, to 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 make up for the for, for the loss of Sean Finn. He he was such a specialist right cornerback, you know, um, absolutely, and uh, was having a very very good game against Clare before he yeah. incurred the injury. You and know, a very good game against um, Watford as well. And you know, him. and. And I, I, I would argue that um, uh, were Sean, had Sean Finn stayed on the field and Keen Lynch, we would be talking about a different narrative in the context of the Munster foot and the Munster Championship, I think. And that is not to detract from Clare's victory, but definitely it, it definitely impacted on Limerick. But um, yeah, I think um, John Kiley, obviously, and Paul Kinnock will have spent the last couple of weeks, you know, um, Scratching their heads and, and to to see how how do they reshape the defence, um, whether they will opt for a, a a direct replacement, or whether they will opt to rejig the full back line around somewhat. I just don't know, Jack. Yeah, look, you have my case in rich English. Are you obvious? Um, are obvious. We're, we're 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 talking about my case here, Richard Richie English and and. Um, Dan Morrissey and Barry Nash, three from four of that. Yeah, no. Barry Nash, team, Barry Nash in the past ha has played right full back. Yeah, I think probably more so it'll be whoever comes in for Sean will be the man marker. So will Dan or Mike, whoever is full back, and then um, Barry will probably be left roam further forward. Teams like to drop fell out, mm. and that's probably going to be Barry's man. Mm. But, I mean, if Keen Lynch is gone, you could have Hayes move back to 11, and that means you've Rich English and Mike Casey will come in from the start. Um, Dan Morris will move mm. out to the wing. You'd say that. You could have someone like Colin Coughlin. You don't know. There, there is options there. But first and foremost, just the best wishes to Sean in his own personal that's, recovery. That's, you know, you want to see, you want to see Limerick win, but at the, end, at the end of the day, you just want Sean to get back to the, the standards he has set and, you know, has become... The best defender in the game, as you said, you know, at the end of the day, he's gonna have to watch on now, regardless what happens, powerless, and it's tough watching on. So uh hopefully hopefully he can get the surgery if if that's the road to known soon and, and start on the road to rehab. And please God, we can see him in the red of rough this year, but probably, probably not. Um but yeah, look, it's it's gonna be it will be building next week, Matt, um into the into the Tipperary game. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a, a very very exciting game next week, and we, we will have a guest to look forward to it. 
But before we do, Matt, um, we spoke with Neve McCarthy yesterday afternoon about um, Drum Broadford's little One Good Club initiative ahead of their big event this Sunday night when Kieran Carey is coming to their clubhouse um, to discuss his own story. Joined by Neve McCarthy. Of yeah, it, it was a very interesting a big weekend for the club, and it's been a busy few weeks, Neve, with the little One Good Club initiative. Would you really just explain what it is first and foremost? Um, yeah, so the campaign itself is known as Little One Good Club, and it's an association with the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, um, along with Jigsaw. So Jigsaw would be, I suppose, the primary organisation here in Ireland that would, um, I suppose, provide advice to young people on mental health. So it's an amazing programme, and I suppose as a teacher for myself, um, I've actually developed so many i suppose gathered so many resources and ideas and things to actually put forward here um in school so you can see um, i'm in school but i teach sphe as well so um i think it was kind of an easy an easy one for me to get involved with here in the club and can you run us through some of the stuff you've done so far um so yeah so with jigsaw um i suppose their purpose themselves is to promote uh, mental health and ways in which we can cope with our own mental health. So they outline five themes. So the first theme is be active. The second theme is take notice. Third is connect. Fourth is give. And the fifth is keep learning. And we've just been absolutely flat out for the last, uh, I should say, nine weeks. We're coming into our final week is what, we're, uh, what we have this week. But uh, we've been absolutely flat out. We've had amazing um, coffee mornings, which just... I suppose involves the whole community and one of the main goals for us is that when we got involved with it it wasn't just for our members so our players our parents our mentors get involved with it. it was supposed to be um, a community-wide initiative and i really do think that we've kind of broken the barrier there we've got involved with so many people whether it be um the local tiny towns preschools the primary schools nursing homes care homes animal rescue centers it's really really been um just i suppose so available to everyone in our community and even our own uh, GA club uh, we've had such amazing support from them as well so I suppose they're really heavily involved with the big show at the weekend and um, you know so it, it's lovely to have everyone involved and it really really creates this positive atmosphere and we're all just buzzing in the club to be quite honest with you and um, yeah so it, it's amazing uh, how something so simple can you know be a real driving force in the club. Yeah, and you mentioned the big, the big event at the weekend. You obviously have a, a very special guest for a very special talk here on Carey's coming out to the club. Yeah, so like this week is Keep Learning and we actually put, I suppose, a strong emphasis on uh, mental health and Kieran Carey was just, I think he's an amazing figure. Um, so we actually have him coming out to the club um, on Sunday. So that's in association with the GA club as well. Um, I just think it was important that we had as many people as possible to get involved and get in to actually see Kieran. So he's actually going to be talking about um, three major, three major things really. So first of all, he'll talk about his own real life experiences, which I just think is very important um, that you have someone who's gone through it, you know. Um, second of all, he's going to be talking about, I suppose, the importance of looking after your mental health. And third of all is destigmatizing the idea of depression and addiction. So yeah, it's going to be available to everyone over the age of age of 13. So we would encourage uh, people who are aged 13 to 17 to be supervised by an adult. And that's just really, really important that um, you know, their parents are involved as well and they're getting a feel for what he's talking about. And then, of course, it's available to everyone. And I suppose one of the main things that I want to say as well is that it is free and it doesn't just have to be, you know, people from Drumcolor or Broadford. Um, it can be anyone 
um, at all. We don't mind where you where you come from, but we really, really would like to drive that on and encourage people to come and listen to Kieran. Um, especially with even Darkness into Light. So Pieta House House's uh, Darkness into Light was just last week, and we had an amazing turnout. We actually organised a group ourselves. So we had. I think it was about 60 to 70 uh, people at four o'clock in the morning in the Castle West, um, you know, just to gather together and uh, stand with people, you know, who I suppose suffer with their mental health and unfortunately, um, you know, go down that, the route of self-harm. So yeah, uh, we're really, really looking forward to it. Um, I haven't met Kieran myself now um, and I will be in trouble too on Sunday, unfortunately, but hopefully I'll get to chat to him um, afterwards. So really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, you've just talked about mental health there in the darkness and the light. And I suppose the, the GA community can play a huge role in that. Obviously, it's it's very important in Broadford, but every rural parish and even the city parishes around the county that you, know, you can rely on your, your local club if, if you need to speak out. And it's important to speak out if needs to be. Um, I've really only realised that, uh, how much a club does in terms of these five teams. I couldn't get over it. Like, and especially, I think, with the BT Young Scientists, the lads focus on, um, so Shane and the or if you have you, whatever, but um, they really focus on the idea of social well-being, uh, mental well-being and physical well-being. And what clubs do for young people and, you know, adults and mentors, whoever gets involved, is absolutely unbelievable. And for anyone that's involved in a team, like reflect on that. And that was something that we, it was kind of the take notice team. Um, it was the fourth week, I think we got involved in that. And we just kind of did a little survey on Mentimeter and just ask their players um, to reflect on how they feel in certain situations. Um, so it might be, how did you feel after meeting your friends um, at training? How did you feel um, when you engage in physical exercise? Things like this, like, and what the clubs do is just outstanding. So for anyone who, you know, even a parent who doesn't um, necessarily play sport at the moment, like there's things there now put in place, mothers and others in ladies football, trying to get everyone involved and, it's it's just really really cool and i really only realized that in the last couple of weeks in what we do for um for young people and you know anyone who likes to get involved in team sport it's really amazing yeah the club is a, a, a huge outlet matt i'll turn over to you there for a minute yeah neve having, having sp spoken to you in the last week about it um i i think it's absolutely extraordinary the manner in which you have embraced the entire concept and and what it is all about and in in particular um the way that you have reached out to all and i mean the, all in all capital letters all the community yeah and, and i mean like this goes from primary schools uh preschools the local businesses whether they be salons hairdressers bakeries and tidy towns animal rescue centers it really is something that we focused on there that it was i suppose to get involved with many people as many people as possible in the local community um and more but it was so that we'd actually leave a legacy after us um and it's not just this idea of oh yeah so we're going to go off and into this competition and see how we get on blah 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 like we actually wanted this to be meaningful and the more people we got involved um and got involved with i thought the stronger uh, that legacy would be yeah, the, the the whole logistics of the 10 weeks, and it was a 10-week program, uh, as you said, divided into five uh, teams. Um, you, you know, w with the myriad of events that he, that he organized was absolutely simply phenomenal. Um, I understand that you headed up, uh, you spearheaded uh, 
a very, very active subcommittee within the club. Um, yes, uh, absolutely. Like, this isn't a one-person job. There is eight of us on the committee. Um, and, like, I thought the most interesting was, was that each of the people involved was from, like, a different background. So I would have been a teacher. You had another girl who's actually uh, studying uh, psych, uh, psychiatric nursing. Another uh, person was a project manager in uh, Chagas. Like another person is involved in the county councils, Newcastle West. So you you know you had a lot of different areas of expertise which we fed into uh, for the last ten weeks. And you know you can't do any of this unless you've got a really really strong team behind you. So I just like to credit everyone on that uh, committee. I know I'm here you know in front of you today, but without the expertise of all those people um, I don't think it would have been half as successful as it has been so far No, that was Neve McCarthy talking about uh, this uh, mm -hmm. little one good club initiative that Drumbrod for GA and Ladies Football Club have been run in conjunction with um, special guest Kieran Carey in their clubhouse or, um, this, or in the call this um, Sunday evening at 8 o'clock, starts sharply Matt, I caught, I caught you off there as the video played, sorry about that I suppose you were just going to, to highlight the good work of Drum Bradford. I, mean, I was just going to highlight the, the, the wonderful work that the, the, the Drum Bradford Ladies Football Club have done in, in embracing it. And you had me putting it to to uh, to um, Neve there. Like um, it was full on from the start. Like then she said there about the subcommittee, and um, there was eight people on the subcommittee, and of, of, obviously uh, a small tight committee can can really really get things done but by god jack if you were to go through everything that they did um over, over the, the nine previous weeks and this is the tenth week of it was simply phenomenal and of course it's coming to a grand finale like with with the talk with kieran carey and we we all know how how passionate um kieran is about the, the, the whole addiction thing and the whole um mental health thing and youth mental health thing so um, it's on at eight o'clock in the hall and drum on on um, Sunday on Sunday evening, and it's 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 open to everybody. The admission open to everybody over thirteen. Um, it's it's um, the admission is free, and I, I I think it's something not to, not to be missed. Um, you know, and it 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 it's, it's a fitting finale um, to to ten weeks of of Trojan work. That, that that subcommittee, Neve was the chairperson, ha, have done over the last 10 weeks in in um, getting out among the community, highlighting um, mental health and raising awareness and all that sort of thing. And, um, uh, you know, it would be fitting to have a huge crowd for, for Kieran because um, uh, he, he's absolutely top. Uh, top man in 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 that field, and like I I I, th I think it's going to be a talk not to be missed, Jack. Definitely, it, it'll be very interesting. And Kieran speaks brilliantly, you know. From obviously the 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 work he's undergone, um, you know, the the study he's undertaken to set up my move, and that seems to go from strength to strength. And obviously his own experience, and just a great way with people as well. So as you said, not to miss, it's free of charge, in the hall and drum. At eight o'clock, and again, well done to, to Drum Broadford for their effort over the last ten weeks. Um, I suppose one thing they did was the darkness into light. That's something you know that was done in, in Ballystine on Friday night, Saturday morning at half four. You know, a brilliant initiative, and 
hopefully, uh, you know, that the money can be used to, I suppose, stop the stigma around, you know, mental health and things like that, and that people will be encouraged to speak out and get the help they need and know that there's help and the J community has a has a huge role in that. So um fair play to everyone that has organized anything like that over the last 10 weeks. And it's brilliant to see the GA give back in that regard because I know from my own experience it is the central part of the community and I'm sure many places in Limerick and Ireland are like that. Yeah Jack I, I've seen over the years like um you know, the the GA, for the want of a better word, are the go-to men. And we, 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 we saw the response, Jack, of the GAA during the COVID pandemic. It was second to none. They were in the vanguard. They were out on the front um, leading the response. They did an absolutely fantastic job. And when it comes to anything like this, um, the GA will never be found wanting. Never. A pity they don't get rid of GA go. <laughs> Uh, one one last jab at, at poor old Diego. Um, I rang you yesterday morning about we were going to do a top five game segment, Matt. But we've gone an hour and a half, so we'll hold that um for a little while yet because we've had we've had some classics already in this month's championship. Hopefully, we'll have some more, and that Limerick will be on the right end of them. So I hold him um for a while, Matt. Um, just uh want to wish. My condolences to the, the family of Vincent Keller, who passed away during the weekend. Obviously, Vincent was a huge part of the community in Palestine. Shane played for many years for Limerick. So just condolences um, on the sad passing of Vincent. His funeral is tonight and tomorrow afternoon. I just want to say that, um, Matt, anything you want to add about anything apart from Diego before no, we finish? No, I, 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 I just, just condone with, with, with your words of sympathy there and to reiterate our words of sympathy to the Clifford family from, from Fassa and Killarney. Yeah, um, obviously Ellen Clifford passed away on Saturday night and, and fair play to the boys for playing on Sunday. It mustn't be easy. And I suppose, well, around about that game, Gaelic Crowns looked in uh, in good nick, in fairness, Matt, um, yeah. that, that work they did over, over the, the winter is paying dividends and looking forward to seeing Limerick and Cork there in... Just three weeks' time now. The, it, the clock, it, cl- clocks are counting down. It'll probably be a do or die game. Uh, seeing how this month's championship well, has been going. Jack, so, the next two games are nearly do or die. Anyway, you look at them. Yeah, but you know, for now, for now, it's it's all about football in Limerick this weekend. Um, starting on Thursday night with the minors again. Best look to, to John Ryan and the, and the side, and obviously we have. Um, the big Talisman Cup game on Saturday evening. So hopefully Mark Fitzgerald and and the Limerick senior footballers can get the job done. But uh, an hour and a half on the clock. Um, a huge contribution from Declan Bruder to, to start the podcast today. A huge insight has obviously dealt with some many, many top class players and probably will have dealt with the best player of all time when when all is said and done. Uh, to Neve McCarthy, um, about John Brawford's one good club initiative and to you as always for and to myself for filling in the gaps around all that another very enjoyable episode but that's episode 232 in the books um a huge thank you to Noel's menswear for getting on board as the sponsor and a big thank you to everyone that's watching and liking it's usually um valuable if you're liking and subscribing on YouTube it changes the algorithm so more videos we seen and to be higher views and the community can expand on Facebook, like and share. On Twitter, like and retweet. Do all that good stuff. And 
we'll continue to grow this community but for now that's us over and out thank you again matt and we'll talk again soon thank you jack the impression again we get old with what you put into it's like a walk of life if you're good enough go and get it no more about it Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound's worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pound's worth of goods, can you? He's just about kept in. Oh, what a Shawnee Buckley. To do that to Tomas O'Shea, he deserves to score from here. One of the highlights of the second game. Let me find out there from the world court today. No more about him. He made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the barrel, the back of it, and that's it. No ifs, no buts. Is there much time left? There's no sympathy in this game for anybody.